Hey, Real Nerds. There's many ways to enjoy the Real Nerds podcast. You can listen to us on Stitcher, iTunes, and now Spotify and iHeartRadio. You can see what we're up to around town by following us at Real Nerds on Instagram. And if you want to send us your thoughts, you can email us at realnerds at gmail.com or call us at 720-6NERDS5. Like us on Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast or tweet us at Real Nerds. And now on with the show. This is Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Pop Culture Con, when it returns. I am Ryan, with me via Zoom is Brad. Hey. Zach. Hello again. Corinne. Howdy. The most unreal nerd of us all. What? Uh, Yeah, I read your message about how you think a movie is stupid that you haven't seen and you refuse to see it. That's like (laughs) against our mission statement. Hey, I'm paying to see a movie. I'm not going to go see something I'm not interested in. When there's a perfectly cool, then good don't, movie, then don't be on the show. I Chris. am interested don't be in. Don't on the show. <laughs> well, I got to be on the show because somebody's got to talk about Ryan the Last Dragon. Uh, who's, who says it's not going to be our fucking movie next week? Well, I, mm. well, I think we have we we've already made a decision for next week, haven't we? <laughs> Isn't it? Kong or films, something? I think I believe we were going to do Film Explosion 1981. Well, that's if, that's if James can do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. We got to... Which he, he just texted me. He says he's good for Sundays, he thinks, so... Well, then, howdy doody. Um, yeah, I... I <clears throat> we, we'll talk after the show. But anyway, yeah, no. What are we seeing this week, though, Ryan? This week, the real, real nerds went and saw Chaos Walking. Ew. And also, also Corinne, like, pissed all over our fans who voted for Chaos Walking. Like, wait, wait, Corinne, I didn't look at Twitter recently. What did you do? <laughs> I don't think I did anything other than just see Raya. Oh. Well, I guess no. I'm here to represent our fans who voted for Raya and for Coming to America, because I watched that, too. So did I. So Well, uh, I put out a poll for our fans to pick because there's actually quite a bit of movies that came out this week and so i put chaos walking raya and uh coming to america and chaos walking won 60 percent of the vote (laughs) and what's funny about that is um it's because it got picked up by a daisy ridley uh fan club (laughs) and they all voted for it yeah oh that's cool yeah yeah. So thanks for everybody for voting. I mean, um, I mean, we also had the other option of revisiting the Big Lebowski on its release date anniversary, but nobody wanted to take me up on that offer. Yeah, I'm good. Everyone oh, talks about the Big Lebowski. Out. Yeah, everyone talks about the Big Lebowski enough. Big Lebowski, <laughs> enough praise, Zach. You know what? That film really ties the movie world together, man. Yeah. That sounds like a quote from that movie. I don't know. Yeah, it pretty much is. <laughs> I think it's one of the most overrated movies ever. Yes, but it's still a great movie by two brothers who have never made a bad movie. Uh, a great movie, it's entertaining. Fair enough. It's not for everybody. Anyway, but yeah, Chaos Walking. Yeah, stay tuned to the end of the episode where we'll tell you if you should see the film, play the trailer, and then spoil it. 
Uh, we also talk about movies that are coming out on Blu-ray, movie news, and stuff we've been watching throughout the week. I'm guessing Corinne's going to talk about anime since she tweeted about it like constantly all week long. I saw um, a lot of blacklist regret on her on her Twitter page. <laughs> <laughs> those like those like fan drawings of you just oh my god, can we go super depressed? Talking about the goddamn blacklist. It's, it's not about the show necessarily, but it's just like her reaction to it. Like she posted, were they were those old memes that you made, Corinne? Or <laughs> yeah, those are things I made like years ago. <laughs> Oh man! Just looking through my <laughs> one year ago today on Facebook. Oh shoot! Oh, that's right. I I did remember shitting on the show that I keep watching. <laughs> I did. I was thinking about it earlier today, Ryan, and I was like, wouldn't it be funny if we start started calling it the show that must not be named, like Voldemort? <laughs> yeah, we're, I'm just gonna call it Voldemort from now on. <laughs> no, Ryan, I'm tired but, of that but, shit, but Ryan. If you're not wanting it mentioned, you're more like Hagrid, going like, no, 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 I can't spell it. I don't say his name. <laughs> No, that's fine. I'd rather be Hagrid than talk about Voldemort. I haven't watched The Blacklist in like a month oh my and a God. half, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm sparing you and me the pain. So you should be proud of me. Sure. Brad, how are you? And I'm I am tired, tired as hell here. I thought of you today. Thank you. And I couldn't claim it fast enough, but Hall of Justice does this online auction, and they had a Eastman uh, sketch, like uh, one of those blank covers that he sketched. Um, I don't the do Ninja Tur- The Ninja Turtle that he always sketches, but I thought he was only like 25 bucks, but I was too late to nab it. Oh, damn. Is that on like a Facebook mm-hmm. auction? Yeah, they, I just started following the Halls of Justice, and they it's like once a week they just put like a bunch of comics on there and all you have to do is hit claim and uh claim sale yeah yeah i know i missed it last week and they i've been looking for the ralph wiggum simpsons comic forever (laughs) and they only wanted like 10 bucks for it uh ryan what is hall of justice for those who may not be aware of it uh it's a comic store in parker okay okay i went there last week they have you know they're they have pretty good prices there. They're not ridiculous like some places. Okay. And their store is really like bright and it's they're really friendly there. So if it wasn't so far away, I'd go there more. Hmm. I don't think I've, I definitely have never been there. I'll have to check this out. Yeah. From your house, Zach, it's like 15 minutes, I think. It's uh, sweet. Like right off of Lincoln. And uh, yeah, it's because I, w- I went to. Oh, uh, oh, yeah. That is really close. Yikes. Yeah. I went to. Park, I mean Park Meadows last week and while I was down there I was like oh, I'm going to go to this store because I've been trying to get some comics that keep on slipping through the cracks because my new comic store they're very nice and they do a good job but for some reason they keep on forgetting to put stuff that I actually want in my comics Have you Have you tried writing them a displeased letter? No, I send them like Facebook posts all the time or uh, messages, and they're usually good about putting them in there afterwards. But then <laughs> this week, uh, I put in that I wanted. There's well, I guess it was last week. The Batman Black and White had a Poison Ivy variant, and uh, so I put that in there. And they said, well, "Here you go," but you can always look at previews beforehand. Like I don't know what fucking previews is. 
<laughs> Poor and Ryan. I don't know exactly <laughs> you, you, Brad, but do you get uh, sick of? I'm kind of getting tired of the digital painting covers. Uh, digital painting covers. Yeah, so they're like uh, covers that look like they're painted, but it's all digital. And that's, you I know, mean, the um, all they're the usually the are... B covers of stuff. I mean, a lot of covers are painted digitally, so I, I try find a, trying to find a different way to explain this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it. I mean, they look nice, but you can tell it's computer painted. I just missed the uh, just. Uh, the pencil and the ink. I know a lot of stuff is color by a computer now and that's fine, but I miss the pencil and the ink. Yeah. You know, the four color printed. Yeah. Or even uh, not that long ago. I mean, even in the, I mean, it's the uh, man who's really popular with it right now. Uh, Art germ. He's really popular. Um, there's a couple artists that really dig that, that, do that style and they're really popular but i'm more of a hand-drawn kind of looks like comic booky i guess i don't know looks like stephanie got that cover for 50 bucks so you can have it (laughs) (laughs) i should not be spending 50 bucks on a it is a, a signature that's it so that's obviously why it was a lot less than a drawing yeah i i remember uh the first time I saw him do that was when we went to Comic-Con in 2008 and I took a picture of you two because I'm like, Oh cool. Here's a moment. And he flipped me off (laughs) because he didn't realize that we were friends and I was helping. I was taking a picture. So you'd have one. And he's like, Oh, I just thought you were some creepo who's taking our picture. (laughs) Yep. I'll just Photoshop it out. (laughs) No, it's better with the middle (laughs) finger. Uh, Yeah. Like all the turtles comics that they put up got claimed. This is my hell now. (laughs) I know it's crazy how popular it is. I was saying that the other day. I was like, fuck, man. Like, you can't even, if you go to any comic store, there's like a hole where the turtle comics should be. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's great that they're selling out, which means, you know, they're not going to cancel any books anytime soon, but never had to fight so bad for comics before. It's crazy. I know. I felt the same way when that Spider Man webbed cover came out and some of the other ones said, man, I mean, I love Spider Man. I'm glad it's popular, but you're like, what the fuck? Anywho. Yeah, they they went to a second printing already. It's like a different color now. Yeah. Yeah, they have a third printing coming out this week. It's crazy. I know. I'm so used to like other stuff that I'm not involved in being like incredibly popular and it's don't know how to deal with it. I know. It's and like uh fuck what was I gonna say? I totally lost my train of thought. That Wolverine black, white, and blood one's badass. Anyway. Yeah. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'm tired because I I wrote a a new episode for the pod show. Yeah. And it's okay. (laughs) Fantastic. I love it. If you have notes, jump, jump in there and add them, Ryan. Oh, they're coming. I, I I did my best to, I, my limited knowledge of the army of darkness. I, uh, I did my best. I think you did fine covering the broad strokes. (laughs) Uh, maybe that's the problem. It's too broad. It's like, it's like if I wrote something about Ninja Turtles. I mean, I know what it's about, but do I really know it? Yeah. Plus, like you know, why even bother writing uh, lines for you? You're just gonna change them anyway. So, have yeah, at that's it. what I'm saying. <laughs> Don't ever write lines for me. 
give me an idea of what you want me to do and I'll do it. Yep. I wrote a broad brush of our movie just for you <laughs> to work to start from. Yep. By the way, Ryan, can I bring up um, a friend of uh, our show? Um, Mr. Georges Jonti. Um, sure. And so I, I follow his Instagram page and he usually has Buffy artwork on there and other comic or artwork on there, but he posted something that I upset for not jumping on until seeing it today is that there was like, he did a print of planet of the apes and he did this yeah. like beautiful layout uh, with Cornel- with Cornelius at the top. And I'm like, I want that thing. And he had a signing with Linda Harrison there. Like, ah, I was upset. But go to go to CaboLounge.com, guys, and look at George's artwork. But what I tell one. everybody, I mean, it's hard now. Hopefully, towards the end of the year, there'll be cons again. But if you go look through his portfolio, he's a big uh, sci-fi fan. So he has a lot of stuff like that. And he also he loves Godzilla. So he has a lot of Godzilla stuff. And mm-hmm. Um, but th- this one blew my hair back. I'm like, that is a beautiful piece of artwork right there. And what? you got the you got the lawgiver in the middle, and you got Maurice Evans over there going, "Don't look for it, Taylor." Um, and then Taylor going, "There's got to be an answer." And then you also see him looking at the Statue of Liberty, going, "No, I love it." Yeah, wonderful. good stuff. Support, support judges. Anyway, that's out. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Brad, is your uh, screenings happened yet or can people still get on them? Sorry, I don't remember. Oh, uh, no, they're uh, the end of the month. Um, let me double check here. So I say the date wrong. Um, yeah, March 26th through the 28th. Uh, the Colorado Short Circuit Film Festival um, is an online, online only screening of a bunch of uh, filmmakers. Uh, I don't have uh specific times for the screening yet because i think they're still building it but uh yeah hover around your computers the 26th to the 28th weekend Woo-hoo. and uh you'll see uh, a few of my shorts very cool sweet as well as other great color filmmakers man i wonder what's happening in the world of movies we can tell you in movie news it's real news. Okay. Um, so I will start off with some obvious news, which is The Simpsons has been renewed for seasons 33 and 34. So they'll never stop. The Simpsons have no fears. They got stories for years. Uh, yeah. Uh, looks like uh, that we're getting more of this. I, I, I've given up hope that they'll ever end it quietly. <laughs> you know, I was thinking about today was, uh, remember, what was it? Pepe, like the kid Homer adopts to make Bart jealous. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, cause the kids never age in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, I just trying to, I just imagine that like that kid is still <laughs> as young as he was, what, 30 years ago now. Yeah. Um, uh, as a character, like, and it would be great to like revisit him as an older person, but you can't because the kids never age. Yeah. And you'd have to age up Bart in order to do it. So you'd have to do one of those, um, flash forward things. The, yeah. The yeah. flash forward, like the, the Bart to the future ones that they've done where they incorporate Futurama into it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I've always, I've always maintained that the show should end with them watching television. Like that should be the final shot of the final episode of the show. But 
since the show will never end, we'll never see that. So um, anyway, moving on, though, uh, we're getting a Candyman documentary coming this summer, Ryan. Yeah. Um, the Complete History of the Candyman, a film by Bren Kurt James Hammond. Uh, and uh, yeah, um, that's cool. I, I'm actually curious about the sequels to the films, uh, to the original film, because there's a lot of stuff to cover on the first one. But, um, you know, Bill Condon did the second one. And then I'm not too familiar with the production history of the of the third one. So um, I'd be curious to learn more about the, the franchise. Um and obviously another chance to watch some interviews with Tony Todd and other creatives. That'd be fun. Um, anyway. Uh, and then a quiet place part two has moved its release date up to May. Yay. Um, so it's coming out a little earlier. Um, and it's, uh, this is taking over the slot that was recently v- uh, vacated by universal's F nine furious nine fast nine. What, whatever. I heard it's about family. I heard it's about Coronas and uh, um, uh, Ryan's I was going to make a Tyrese. I was going to make a Tyrese Gibson joke, but I I lost my train of thought thinking about Tyrese Gibson. Sorry. Um, uh, Let's see. Um, This is something that kind of relates to something I do. So I'll bring it up. Uh, Turner classic movies has announced a series called reframed. Uh, where they will be tackling uh, tough subject mattered films uh, within a cultural context of today by having discussions centered around these films. Obviously, Gone with the Wind has been one that has been brought up, but also Breakfast at Tiffany's, um, Psycho, uh, Gunga Din, The Jazz Singer, uh, and The Searchers, which is a sh- film that I covered on my show yesteryear, Valley who review for four hours. For four hours. So, yeah. So if you want to... Um, if you want to kind of follow along with how these films are framed and hear some discussions from Jacqueline Stewart, Ben Mankiewicz, Eddie Muller, and Dave Carger, um, I recommend it because those are all wonderful people to listen to when it comes to this subject. Um, I just need to get TCM because I don't have cable. Um, but anyway, moving on uh, to uh, other news. This is a triumphant time for the Real Nerds podcast. Do you know why, guys? Do you know fucking why? Oh, I know why. You know why. Ryan, why is it? Why? I'm sorry, I wasn't listening. What? (laughs) Wow. Ryan really dropped the ball on that one. (laughs) Ryan, this is an exciting time for, I don't know, your fucking show that you run. uh, Because your actions, whether they're acknowledged or not, have brought forth Jack Slater's 4K debut. Because Lax Action Hero 4K Blu-ray will be coming in May. And the artwork dropped. It looks lovely. It's the poster. Um, and yeah, it looks like there's a plethora of special features as well as a nice new 4K transfer coming our way. Yeah, the uh, only thing that's a bummer is they don't have a making of. I still think they should have just oh, a like making a, of. Like, like a, like what, like a Vidiwell or uh, Red Shirt Productions like they do for Scream and Shout. Yeah, or I, I mean, I would just do a whole feature length making of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, we're still getting a commentary by McTiernan, so that's yeah, kind of a making of. Have you? I was reading an article, and I forget what website. Brad, have you ever seen deleted scenes or the alternate ending to Last Action Hero? I think I might have, but I'm going to say no. Well, yeah, because they said these aren't new special features, but I had the DVD, and it was never on the DVD either. The DVD have- was 
bare bones. Did you have a blue? Did they put out a Blu-ray version before? Yeah, I have the Blu-ray. It has absolutely nothing on it. Yeah, it's not even like the right picture ratio or something. So are so are yeah. these special features from like a laser disc or something? What the hell? Maybe. But the good news is, is even the special features, uh, like deleted scenes and stuff, are in ultra HD. I, so, I I think what we're missing here that I don't see listed is a, a special introduction by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Then that I know that would make my day. Well, too, it's uh. I, I was reading an article. I can't remember if it was on the digital bits or uh, Hollywood reporter, but um, when Brad and I really started upping that, this was before the survey came out and every year Sony does a survey of what films you want to see on ultra HD. Mm-hmm. And um, last action hero wasn't one of the choices. Uh, we had to write it in. Right, Brad. Yep. And not only did Brad and I do it, but over 30,000 people wrote in Last Action Hero. It's the most requested title they've ever had for Ultra HD. It's amazing that it's taken this long for them to jump on that bandwagon. I guess, did, was COVID such a such a groundbreaking year for us remembering how great Last Action Hero was? Because it yeah, well, seems like it took home a... and watched their entire DVD libraries. So, yeah, like, it's oh, not... yeah. It, it seems like Sony it took a, it took a pandemic for Sony to finally listen. <laughs> well, that and you're like, uh, man, this Blu-ray transfer for this movie sucks. <laughs> I'm sure they got it the first time around. You know, it just takes time to generate all that bonus mm-hmm. material. So, yeah, yeah, it does take time. You have to clear things, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but yeah, I actually I know what would make Corinne buy it is if there was an introduction by Charles Dance. Um, oh well, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's got like one of the sexiest voices in hollywood i saw his name listed in that movie the king's man which is the prequel to the kingsman oh, and i'm man, like i is, see that so bad are we having a dance essence on our hands here i um, think so i mean obviously like after he was in game of thrones everybody wanted him in their Stupid Dracula Untold bullshit. He's <laughs> been in I, all sorts of movies. Dracula see, Untold's not that bad. Yeah, it's actually pretty fun. I just yeah, it. I like actually Ryan. I like the way it tried to set up its own monster cinematic universe compared to how the Mummy tried to do it. Mm-hmm. Like the I ending. Agree. Yeah, the ending. Like just for anybody who doesn't, it's it's been a while. The ending of Dracula Untold basically sets up Dracula, but it also sets up the idea that they are going to be able to go into another, uh, into more other stories. Uh, and I just felt like it was a nicer progression into that compared to Russell Crowe going, welcome to a new world of gods and monsters. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah. I'm just saying he was one of the best actors on Game of Thrones and the caliber of movies that he's in now is lackluster. You know, you know what, Corinne? He needs something more worthy of his talent. Like when well, he that's was his in... fault then. Can't he pick what he wants? He's been around you know what, forever. You, you know what he did? He picked He picked being in Mank, and he didn't fail. That was a correct True. decision. <laughs> he was also in the BBC miniseries, and then there were none, and he's really good in that. You all need to watch, and then is, there were none. Is that a newer one? Mm, I want to say it's like 2015. Okay, that's pretty new. All right, cool. Let's check that out. I've talked about it before. I know it's, you. Have. I wrote about it in uh, on the website. 
should all go check it out. Realnerdspodcast.com. Yeah, please do. Um, there's a bunch of articles that are going to be incoming. I know that for a fact. Um, hey, Ryan. Yes. Do, do you want a Silent Night, Deadly Night reboot? Uh, there's already one. Uh, I'm we, sure, do, I'll watch another one. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do, we're, we're getting another one. That was my point. We're getting <laughs> um, uh, I mean, I, I, sure. I, I mean, am I, am I, am I wrong for questioning this going forward after we got the Black Christmas reboot that just didn't hold much water? Like, I don't know. Like, I guess this could be fun. <laughs> I, well, I, I mean, hope it. Saturday Night Deadly Night's not like the greatest movie either. No, so there's actually room for it to catapult further or like improve upon it whereas black christmas was already a like an established 70s classic yeah um so like silent deadly night silent night deadly night has a following i like the movie it's not like nobody is like writing theoretical essays about it (laughs) you know what i'm saying um so yeah but i i you know it's coming from massey media uh so yeah we'll, we'll look out for that in 2022 um and then uh, I guess the big news, I saved this for last only because it was blowing up our own text feed throughout the week is Alamo Drafthouse has filed for bankruptcy, um, but it will only be closing a couple of locations. Uh, they filed Chapter 11 and they sent out a notification immediately to assure people that they were still around. Um, I am a little confused as to how they're deciding what theaters to close. Cause I mean, like obviously our Alamo didn't, the one we still have hasn't closed um, with the other two locations still remaining closed since last year. Um, what do you guys make of this? Well, chapter 11 is just a reorganization of debt really. Right. And they're getting so, a new um, financial, like an angel, like I guess you would call it. Well, Tim League's still part of it as the new investment team. And, and I mean, basically, they just need product. And so if there's new movies coming out, then people will go back to the theaters. It's just um, they haven't had anything to put in there. Right. So I think um, they'll be all right. I mean, you don't want to see them file for that. But if they're going to reorganize and find more money and um, stay relevant, I mean, they're... Well, they're one of the biggest independent movie companies at theaters. I know that. Yeah. And they, like any theater company at this point, is having to reach out to different solutions for staying financially afloat. Um, obviously, Cineworld hasn't even reopened its regal locations, and it looks like it less and less like it will every day. Uh, AMC had to gain new financial backing in order to stay afloat. Um, I have no idea what's going on with Landmark's financial state. Um, uh, so yeah, uh, but yeah, they're 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 only closing a few locations so far. It looks like that the Denver locations are not on the chopping block. I was actually curious if it would affect the Westminster location because it didn't have enough time to establish itself the way uh, Sloan's Lake and. Um, Littleton did. So that that's what kind of concerned me. Uh, I don't think so, too. I mean, at the end of the day, the people that own the buildings or the property, it doesn't do them any good 
for those to close because yeah. I mean, what are you going to put in the Alamo draft house? This is going to have to be another movie theater because yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's either that or you hollow the shit out of it for a couple of years until you find a suitable replacement venue for it. Yeah. It's a spirit Halloween store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that one this too has the big, big show there. So it's kind of unique. So I just, I just kind of imagined the, the the Alamo Westminster being turned into a spirit Halloween store, but they still keep the Metropolis um, garb that's wrapped around it. <laughs> You're like, nah, that's that's already added. You know, that's already added production design there. We'll just uh, fill the rest out with our cheap masks. <laughs> I remember a church I, or uh, a movie theater I used to go to as a kid ended up becoming a church once it closed down. That that that's terrible. <laughs> Actually, I think two of them became churches. That's uh, even more terrible. <laughs> uh, Green Mountain Six became a church for a while. Yep. Yeah. No, no, we we can't, guys. Get this pandemic done. I don't want the movie theaters turning into churches, please. Well, like I said, I think we're turning a corner. Hopefully, yeah. I mean, you had a Quiet Place move up to May. Um, another movie. What other movie moved up this week? Uh, Mark Wahlberg movie? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, no, there's another big movie. Another movie moved up, mm. and I, I'm I'm going to go out on a limb. I think Black Widow is going to open on May seventh. Um, that wouldn't surprise me because although, although Bob Chopek did say that the shorter theater windows are here to stay. So, well, yeah, I mean, he's going to. They might do what they did with uh, Mulan. Fuck, uh, no, not Mulan. What fucking just came out? Raya. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Uh, with Raya, they might just... You can pay $35 on Disney Plus or go see it in a theater. Okay. So... Yeah. Anyway. Because they're uh, moving forward with all their other shows, so eventually it's gonna they're going to have to let <laughs> them come out, you know? Yep. Can't stop what's coming. It's not waiting on you. And that's news. Oh, one more piece of news is that Queen's Gambit is becoming a musical. Uh, uh, Just saw uh, that headline on Twitter. Um, Didn't watch the show, so I don't know what that means. I haven't either. I It's on my list of things to do because I, I am in, immensely interested when I can sit down and have the time for it. Uh, uh, why? Like we we aren't doing musicals on Broadway right now. Why are they trying to do this now? I I'm confused. Well, because I mean, you you don't <laughs> ever want to stop doing stuff, Zach. Because then you... no, but I mean, like out of all the things we could try to do to revitalize Broadway production, is a Queen's Gambit musical the thing that's going to save? I, well, I the vibe I get is that the show's more of a drama, so I don't know how that's going to go over with becoming well, there a musical. Could, there could be musical dramas. I'm just more curious from the overall aspect of Broadway. Going like, would that be the one that they would bank on to to bring back the Broadway experience? Well, um, no. I mean, how long does it take to make a musical? I mean, this isn't going to come out for a year or two. Oh yeah, no, it's gonna it it is going to take a while. That is true. There's already a, a musical for chess. <laughs> no one, no one. All right, <laughs> hold on, I, I, hold on. You... Give me a minute. <laughs> In high school, uh, part of the soundtrack for one of the the 
plays we did, uh, our theater director used a song from Chess. It's a Broadway musical. It's like a two hmm. two CD set. Really? Okay. Yeah, so there, there's already a chess musical. So I haven't watched the Queen's Gambit. It's about chess, right? Yes. It's about a chess player, but it's also about addiction and and, and stuff. Is what yep. I've been told. Yeah. Anyway, cool. That's news. Blu-rays come out. Sometimes we get them. I don't know. It's been kind of horrible the last couple of weeks. Let's find out this week. DVD releases and Blu-rays. You know what, Ryan? I think the day's been saved. Because there's a Dread 4K steelbook coming out. And I kind of want it. <laughs> um, I like Dread a lot. thought it was fun. thought it was a lot of fun. It's a um, cool uh, cover art for it. I know. It's so, I mean, that's a movie cool. that you saw the preview for. And you're like, oh, I don't know if I want to see it. But because one of our, you know, things for real nerds is we give every movie a chance. And it ended up being pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Um, it's a movie that I wish had a sequel, uh, but, but we'll never get it. So we could just live with this really one cool movie with Carl Urban doing a really good fucking job and Olivia Thurlby doing a really good fucking job. If you watch um, uh, The Boys and think about uh, Carl Urban as Judge Dredd and that, you, you get pretty close. <laughs> okay. I haven't watched The Boys yet, so... Um, I know what I have seen and I'll never see again. And I certainly won't be picking it up is stop or my mom will shoot uh, with Sylvester Stallone and Estelle Getty uh, is being released on one of those VHS looking Blu-rays uh, that you can pick up. I think that's Walmart doing that thing. I, I saw that movie, I don't know, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Don't remember it. <laughs> I saw those uh, VHS covers at Best Buy too. So oh, it might be Okay. Both. So it's, Okay, I, I remember seeing them at Walmart, so I just assumed it was something that Walmart was doing exclusively. Ryan, Ryan, can you uh, can you ask Mr. Stallone what it was like making Stop or My Mom Will Shoot? It was a pleasure working with the Golden Girl, you know? She was game. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, all I remember from it, is pairing Stallone <laughs> with Estelle Getty. And I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> can you, Ryan... Can you imagine a golden girl hanging out with Rambo? I mean, what are the odds? You know, uh, Arnold's going to work out with kids, and I figure why not go the other way? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> See, I just think, you know, like kids, they seem like a handful, but old ladies, it's pretty simple to, you know, make them take a break really quick. <laughs> <laughs> they say I never work with dogs and kids <laughs> and i and i managed to not work with both <laughs> all right let's move on or i'm gonna do my stallone impression no no or actually i've never heard it before <laughs> yeah let's hear your stallone impression there corinne do it <laughs> nah actually i was just bluffing <laughs> i'm not even i'm not even gonna attempt it my uh. vocal cords will kill me um there's also a movie (laughs) i don't know give me a line of dialogue like i don't know anything stallone really says you know (laughs) you betray say you betrayed the law you betrayed the law (laughs) that's not bad (laughs) why do i have a new york accent (laughs) i mean he's from philly but (laughs) um Ryan, this is one I don't... Ryan and Brad are probably the ones who know this one. Um, 
And, and so we're just holding all his guns out, you know. And I ain't going to do it, son. <laughs> that's, that's my Rambo. <laughs> Adrian! Anyways, here, um... <laughs> Uh, here, uh, Ryan, I'm Troutman, and you're Rambo. Stand down, soldier. <laughs> this is your first blood. <laughs> it's um, awesome when he says that in Mortal Kombat, by the way. <laughs> anyway, another one of those VHS Blu-rays is called The Gold, Di- uh, Gold Diggers, The Secret of Bear Mountain. What? What the hell is this? Uh, it's got Christina gold diggers. Lee. I know some of them. Well, I ain't saying that this is a gold digger, but I ain't saying that. I know the Jamie Foxx song. That's not it. And, and Ryan, she give me money when I'm in need. She's a kind of friend indeed. Um, it's got Christina Ricci in it. And that's all. It, a city girl teams up with a tomboy to solve the mystery of Bear Mountain. Molly Morgan and the buried treasure, as well as learn about true friendships. Uh, this looks like about as silly slash cheesy as the amazing panda adventure. So yeah, I guess if you want gold diggers, the secret of bear mountain, that's there for you. Hey, don't you be shitting on the amazing panda adventure. You know what I remember? My favorite scene in that movie is when he and his friend that we don't see for the rest of the movie have their synchronized watches go off and they're excited to watch American gladiators. That is the highlight of that movie for me in my mind. Um, well, that and the, the bridge scene. Um, there's a movie from Kino Lorber coming out called The Choir Boys with Charles Durning, Lou Gossett Jr., Perry King, uh, Randy Quaid, uh, and uh, Burt Young. Uh, looks like it's a police movie, Mr. Ryan. Um, so yeah, maybe it's about the police choir or something. I don't know. Do you guys have choirs in the police? Yes. Or which one are you? Tenor, soprano, baritone? <laughs> I'm so multi-talented in that department. I'm just placed on anywhere. <laughs> you you lead the choir. <laughs> <laughs> you just wave a stick. Uh, you can get a double pack of My Girl and My Girl 2 so you can get sad and then get sad again. I'm assuming. I've never seen My Girl 2. I just remember the first one because Kali Gil can with the bee sing, sting scene. Bees, not the bees. (laughs) See if anyone's YouTube that (laughs) deep faked Macaulay Culkin's face over. Yeah, but over. um, Yeah, it goes the bees, not the bees. (laughs) Um, Yeah, Ryan, I'm not going to lie. It looks like the rest of them is still kind of uh, lame as well. Uh, There's a movie called Rent a Pal uh, with Will Wheaton. Um, coming out from this was from last year. It's coming through Shout Factory. Uh, this feels like a movie that we debated on watching last year, but didn't end up doing. Uh, mm. I wonder if he's uh, a jerk in it, like he is in real life. Oh, wow! Pop culture burn. Uh, okay, then. That, oh, yeah, that's right. I've heard this story before. Anyway, um, an Anthony Quinn movie called "The Dawn Is Dead." It looks like he's a mafia godfather type figure. And there's some roses and a gun. So you know that some shit's about to go down. Um, and then The Great Caruso with Mario Lanza and Anne Blythe uh, coming to you from Warner Archive. Um, and then a movie called The Babe with John Goodman playing Babe Ruth. Uh, so yeah, uh, 
looks like that's pretty much it, guys. Unless I missed something. Pretty slim pickings. Next week doesn't look too promising either. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we watch films throughout the week in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Corinne, what'd you watch this week? Okay, so I watched the good Cinderella, the one, the Rodgers and Hammerstein Disney one with Whitney Houston, Brandy, and everybody. Um, it's a lot shorter than I remember, but there's also a lot more singing. So anyway, it's not a big deal, but that's on Disney Plus if anybody wants to watch it. Hanyu no Yashihime is getting crazy. We're down to the last two episodes. The previews for next week look awesome, and I'm so hyped up. I just don't, I don't know what the hell's going on. There's, everything's kind of coming together now, finally, and anyway, I'm very excited. So yeah, that's why I was blowing up my whole Twitter feed (laughs) this weekend. Um, So, Raya and the Last Dragon, did anybody else watch it? No. No? Okay. So yeah, just saw it earlier tonight and it's pretty good i'd be willing to watch it again to see if my impression of it changes but um i don't know i I think some of the story structure is a little rough it takes a while to get going and i feel like it's kind of one-dimensional in its message and themes and it's it, it hits you over. It's not like a bad message by any means. It's a very something that's very needed in our time, but it's just kind of one note of like, they keep repeating the same thing over and over again. And it's like, okay, any texture to this world or are we just going to talk about this one thing? Nope. All right. Um, voice performance is pretty good. Animation's good. It's almost like there are, aspects of the animation that are so much better than the others that it stands out a lot um the hair on raya for instance looks so real but then when you look at the rest of the animation like specifically like on her her face it just looks so fake by comparison and i wonder if it's just because like the texturing on the hair is so much better and the texturing on this, like, there is no texture on the skin. It's just so flat. And I've been wondering about, like, yeah. how much photorealism is too much photorealism in animation right now. But I guess it's best and not they, to think about it. Yeah, they definitely take advantage of the fact that, like, 3D animation has pretty much nailed water and, like, splash effects and different things like that. Because uh, there's just, like, a lot of water in this movie. And... You know, it's raining, it's rivers, it's waterfalls, it's all over the place. So but it makes for some pretty cool scenes. And, and well, Disney's Disney's always been at the forefront of making water look realistic since Pinocchio. So, yep. See, in Pinocchio, they pulled uh, glass, uh, like glass panes across the anim- uh, the cells while they're mm-hmm. underwater that gave it the reflecting effect. Yep. And ever since then. It's a fun fact. Walt is still alive, and he was working this entire time to make sure water looked perfect in animation. I mean, it does. Yeah. I, I, 
I'm kind of in the camp of, I think the dragon design needed to be different because especially with the eyes, like the eyes are so big and it's like pretty much three quarters of her entire face and the design, I feel like it, it's, it could have been a little bit more intricate, but I mean like the fur and everything looks really good. And there are some scenes that like really hit me and there's, don't want to spoil anything, but there's one, maybe it's like in the first third of the movie uh, where it's, it's a completely silent scene. It's just music playing where these characters are going through this field and they're going past all these things that remind them of, you know, things that have happened before. And this character stops takes a moment to recognize what has happened and it's just it's a beautiful image and the the scene was just dripping with atmosphere and I was like damn it why couldn't the movie have been more like that but anyway it warrants a much larger discussion and hopefully you guys get to watch it so we'll get to talk about it more sometime down the road so um I, I will wait till uh Brad goes to talk about WandaVision probably but Zach, mm-hmm. you also watched Coming to America. I did. Yeah, it. it I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah. I almost kind of like it better than the first one. But then again, oh, whoa, I don't whoa, have whoa, nos- whoa, 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 whoa. I don't have nostalgia for the first one. So that's the uh, difference. So here's here's what I'm gonna say up front on that. I don't either. I really like that first one, but I didn't grow up with it the way others around me did, and so my meeting the sequel on an expectation level was somewhat different than others. And also, I mean, for I, I, I've, I've talked with people on Twitter about uh, one of my friends, tree, she did not like the movie and I'm, uh, and she listens to the show. Um, so she might hear this. And, and, you know, I told uh, her on Twitter, like, you know, I just had fun with it. I enjoyed it. And I have an expectation nowadays when it comes to delayed sequels, um uh the the bottom line is is that like they're going to hit certain nostalgia beats and um i'd be curious to hear what tree thought specifically of the movie um because my impression of what i've read on uh the um uh on the internet sphere was that there was just too much um what would you call it? Like, like too many references to the first one, too many nostalgia trips, Mm -hmm. recall lines or self-referential lines to the fact that it's a delayed sequel. And I'm like, I I don't know what to tell you. Like, these are things that have been happening in long delayed sequels for the past five to six years. Uh, So like when you get these things, this is the baggage that comes with it. Um, I would say that I actually enjoyed the angle they took on the story. Um, and kind of addressing the idea of like, does Akeem end up falling into his dad's habits of interfering with relationships? Like, what does that, what does age do to somebody like Akeem? Um, and I'm not going to lie. Part of my like loving of this film had to do also with, I'm not sure what Wesley Snipes and Eddie Murphy have been doing behind the scenes, but I love that they're just having fun joking with each other because Wesley Snipes is really fun in the movie. <laughs> like he's the character is so dark and yet so full of life. Like 
he's uh he's playing essentially a warlord <laughs> but yes. he's got this stride in his step that i'm like what is this role um but i like it it's he's a kind fun... of like the jack sparrow of warlords yeah it's really really weird but i really really like it and like the way they connect his character to the first one via mm-hmm. uh, uh his sister being the the lady that she that he left Was barking and hopping on one leg yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought it was fun. Um, but yeah, like I, I just had a blast watching them do it again. I liked the, uh, I liked the callback of Eddie Murphy playing all and Arsenio Hall playing all the old men in the barbershop. Um, and, uh, also the way they called back some very obscure characters from the first one in a way that didn't feel like, to me, it didn't feel like they were too shoehorned in. I think the only one would be at the very end with um, the, the musical minister. number. No, no, not the minister. The um, minister actually made sense to me. The one I'm referring to is um, it, cause it's also a fun movie in the mo- moment in the movie, but um, the singer who sings sexual or, or the, the lead singer of sexual chocolate. Yeah. Um, like, and that was a fun moment, but it was the most shoehorned in moment I saw in the movie. Um, that and the flashback sequence when um, Jermaine Fowler's love interest is talking about the uh, um, the story of the first movie. Um, apart from that, I kind of just rolled with it. Um, and uh, I liked that they addressed certain things up front with how New York had changed. Um, but while not it didn't make it the centerpiece of the movie. I like that they address it. It's there, but we're going to Zamunda. Like Zamunda is the majority of the movie, um, which was, which is an interesting turn of events. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I enjoyed it. I think they set up a lot of dynamics that I wish we could have seen more of. And I would actually be really interested if they made a TV, like a mini series or something out of it. Like just that whole dynamic with, um, Jermaine Fowler's character and like getting to meet his sisters, particularly his oldest sister mm-hmm. or the old, the oldest sister. And, and I thought like their dynamic would be really interesting. Cause like now she's going to be, you know, the whole deal. And, but he was kind of in training for that. And I, I just, I feel I, like they're like that scene where they do the lion thing. I was kind of, oh I was, was like, fun. that was interesting. Like, okay. That was, a, that was a lot of fun. Um, Yeah. Kenya Barris worked on the story for it. So if he could um, uh, front a television version of it, I'd watch it. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I guess I don't know. You how don't even more. need like the, like the older adults, like you could write them out as like, they're on like a world tour or whatever. And it's like, you know, the kids are hanging out at home and just like their shenanigans that they get up to. Yeah, I want could. to see or, that. Or, or you could literally just lead it into the fact that they are now running Zamunda for the most part, or like Akeem is, but like Akeem would be like a supporting player in this overall show. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess I don't know how much more we should talk about it because I don't know if we're going to try to make this a, a main episode mm-hmm. or not. But um, uh, but I enjoyed it. I would recommend people check it out, even if they have the reservations of the reviews they might've been reading. Cause I think that there's, there's a lot of good in the movie to be had while still acknowledging that it is, it's not going to be the first movie and you just have to walk in with that expectation. Yeah. Jer- uh, so a friend of the podcast, Jerry, the artist, mm-hmm. you know, that first one is one of his favorite movies. And I told him I saw the sequel and he's like, well, you know, what was it like? And did you like it? And I was like, yeah, I liked it. Is it as funny as the first one? And I'm like, 
I mean, it it is, but it's different. I think the type of humor is different. Mm -hmm. And the first one, I think the jokes were a lot more like, I don't know, clear cut and obvious and just kind of like the whole, you know, like them playing multiple parts and they do that here still, but there's also just like a lot of random background humor. And that was honestly the part that was funnier, funniest to me. Um, the, the one scene where they're like at Wesley Snipes warlord camp. And just like, for some reason, all the soldiers just have shake weights. It was yeah. just like so stupid. That, that I just, was... like, had to pause and laugh at that for like a full minute. I'm like, why do they have shake weights? You know, I, I, I appreciate that Craig Brewer and the writing team laid into the fact that because as Zamunda is set up as a fake country, they are able to have a little bit more fun in the comedic realm with it and mm-hmm. having like the warlords, warlords playing with shake weights um, or other elements to that nature. I, 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 I had, I liked that they continued the broad uh, redonkulous comedy that was set up first off in the John Landis film because John, the the first one is kind of set up to be like a very traditionally well-timed, well-planned out, organized, executed piece of comedy, ma- comedy filmmaking with Eddie Murphy coming in and, you know, you get him into a certain character mode. He can go into improv, but it is still planned out. Um, and there's like choreography and elegance to it um, in the dance numbers and other elements of the production and Craig Brewer does the exact same thing, which shouldn't surprise anybody given his background with films in the past, but, uh, and just like having some of the broad, like you don't expect it to just go this ridiculous, like having Morgan Freeman narrate, um, narrate James Earl Jones's funeral. (laughs) That was one of the funnier surprises of the movie. Thanks Zach. I, 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 I I know I kind of spoiled that, but I do love that moment. That was one of the I I fell over my chair on that one. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a lot of fun. I think it's getting a little too much heat thrown its way, and I would encourage people to check it out. I agree. Also, I thought the costumes were all amazing. So oh, watch it just for the costumes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, that's all I've been watching. Zach, Am I, is it my turn now? <laughs> I mean, you guys have been talking well, for like 10 minutes about coming to America. So, yeah, go ahead. I wrote an episode of the pod show while you guys were talking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. wow. Well, I figured it was a nice jumping off segue point, whatever. Go ahead, Zach. I, yeah. Um, so I didn't talk about it last week, but I rewatched Intolerable Cruelty. Um, Coen Brothers film with George Clooney and Catherine Zeta-Jones uh, about... Divorce, divorce lawyer who meets his uh, mental equal in the uh, form of a woman who's actively um, husband hunting in order to put in the work to then eventually divorce and take half the money. Um, and Ryan, we've had talks before about, or at least I've told you my theories is that you could get George Clooney to play older Cary Grant in a biopic. Yeah. Um, I think my evidence is further cemented with intolerable cruelty. Have you seen the movie before? Yeah. I, I would encourage you to rewatch it under the lens that he's playing Cary Grant. <laughs> he's kind of, that's what I'm getting off of that movie on the rewatch. He's like playing a version of a Cary Grant type of role. Um, and 
but uh, on top of that, though, like I feel like the film. It's almost making fun of certain rom-coms of that particular moment because um, it still has the Coen brothers flourish for crazier, insane things going on within its realm, whether it's visual or dialogue driven. But there's certain tropes in there that are just mercilessly made fun of from, you know, like the, 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 the love triangle all on down to typical divorce humor, uh, all just kind of setting itself up in like only the Coen brothers could take a concept like this from two other writers, refashion it and turn it into what they turn it into. Um, so yeah, I, it's a, it's one of those films that I think the brothers get knocked around for, but I, I would encourage people to look at it under the lens of them sending up those type of movies that were coming out around that time. I never um, thought it was bad as James thinks it is, but you know, well, James is wrong. That's just the bottom line. Cause I've, I've already told you up at the front of this episode, what the, the, the track record of the brothers is it's, it's always been good or not so good, but still good. Um, and uh, on that note, I rewatched No Country for Old Men. Uh, the movie's still freaking amazing. Um, and then I uh, sat down and um, rewatched uh, Only ha- Angels Have Wings, um, which I, Ryan, I think that's becoming my favorite Cary Grant movie that's not Hitchcock related. He's kind of um, an ass and badass in it at the same time. Yeah, it's. I really like the awful truth. I really do, um, and I like Mister Lucky. So I think right now my fight is between Mister Lucky and Only Angels Have Wings, only because Only Angels Have Wings has such an amazing production value mixed into it that, like, the movie's working on all these wonderful cylinders. Um, and I like watching Sig Ruman play a relatable human being and not a, <laughs> and not a character trope rip driven buffoon. <laughs> um, uh, so if, if anybody hasn't seen the movie, uh, first read what Ryan thinks about it on his uh, article series, but then go check it out. Uh, it's on Criterion. So you're not, um, uh, you, if you have Criterion Channel, you should be able to get it pretty quick. Um, and then uh, I rewatched the first Coming to America before sitting down with the sequel. And uh, that movie still rocks, as I kind of mentioned when talking about the sequel. Um, I had forgotten, because I don't rewatch the movie a ton. Again, I didn't grow up with it the way others did. But I had forgotten that um, Bellamy and Amici's characters from Trading Places have a cameo in the movie where Akeem hands them a wad of bills and it's him going like, Mortimer, we're back in business. Uh, and actually, Corinne, did you notice that they referenced that pretty much within the first five minutes of the sequel? The reference what? The the two brothers from Trading Places, the, the rich industrial brothers from Trading Places. No, I've never seen Trading Places. Oh, you've never seen it? Okay, you know those, in Coming to America, those two bums that Akeem hands Mm -hmm. the money to? Those are the industrialists who get screwed in Trading Places, and it's Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici. 
um, who were golden right, age actors. People of the were Earth. speculating that it's like a shared universe between the two movies. Yeah, it is. And actually, from what I heard in news reports, they were trying to bring the clumps into the sequel too. So that would have been interesting as all hell. Um, but, uh, but yeah, and I like watching later, latter era Bellamy and Amici and seeing where they end up in things. I had completely forgotten their incoming to America. Again, I'm not a fan of the universe like other people. So I, I didn't like grow up on it. So like trading places and coming to America, they're films I've watched and admired, but I haven't like dug into them the way others have. Uh, so like seeing that was just a funny moment where I'm just like, Oh, that's cool. Ralph Bellamy's hanging around in trash. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, yeah. And then the last thing was I caught up on some more Looney Tunes cartoons. Um, uh, the content of these cartoons is getting darker than I ever thought they would. Uh, there's a specific the, I, I've been saying before how the Sylvester and Tweety ones have been my least favorite of the bunch. And that kind of, it's still kind of the, 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 the remains the truth for me. But one of the recent ones that is that I saw that's on there involves uh, Sylvester chasing Tweety through a vet's office and I don't want to spoil it because I know Ryan's going to watch it but there's a moment at the end of that cartoon where there are two dark jokes played back to back to where I was like oh my god they didn't lie this isn't for only children this is for literally like a broad wide audience because those are jokes that I I I don't think I could show my nephew this until he's like seven or eight, like minimum, uh, because like that, that that's just a that, that, that there's just some interesting dark humor afoot in there. Um, but Ryan, they do do uh, a sort of spiritual sequel to the great piggy bank robbery uh, in one called the case of Porky's pants. <laughs> Uh, and the whole concept is again, Daffy is a detective, and the case is Porky Pig <laughs> coming to Detective Daffy, going, "I've lost my pants." <laughs> and <laughs> the the joke at the end of it is wonderful. If you're a Porky Pig fan like Ryan is, so I think he's going to enjoy this one. Um, uh, and yeah, and as I've said before on it, if you aren't watching these new Looney Tunes cartoons, you are missing out on a really fun time. Um, and then at film club, um, we watched a movie that I had never seen before called kind hearts and coronets, which is, uh, a movie from Ealing studios who, uh, they were the studio that did the original lady killers with Alec Guinness. This is another movie with Alec Guinness, but he's not the lead character, but he plays eight different characters in the movie. Uh, mm -hmm. the movie concerns, uh, a, uh, a, 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 a young man whose mother was in high society, but she married an opera singer and tarnished her family name. So she was banished from the family. And so the son tries to gain revenge by murdering the members of the family that uh, keep him from becoming a Duke. Uh, and it is a dark, dark, dark comedy from 1949 that keeps upping the ante on how dark it gets with each turn that it undergoes. And Alec Guinness plays six to seven to eight different members of this same family all getting bumped off. Uh, and it's pretty wonderful to watch Alec Guinness 
playing these different variations on a familial theme. Uh, it's a movie that I think Ryan would have fun with. And I know Corinne will like it because it's British. Um, uh, so if anybody uh, wants to check it out, I highly recommend it. I was surprised as all hell by it. Um, so another another successful uh, uh, film club selection, courtesy of Mr. Adam Roach and uh, the, the wonderful crew over there. Um, so, yeah, and that's all I watched this week. What's the name of the movie again, Zach? Kind Hearts and Coronets. Right on. Brad, what did you watch this week? Uh, well, on Hulu, uh, they have a bunch of seasons of Saturday Night Live. Um, they have the first five seasons and then 30 through the current uh, season. And I I figured, you know what? I'm going to start watching the first seasons because I've never seen them before. And everyone is always saying how great those that original cast is. So I'm like, okay, let's uh, let's find out. And wow, that first episode is rough. <laughs> uh, oh, the first episode of SNL, yeah, uh, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's a little rough around the edges, and the host doesn't doesn't involve himself like the way they would down the line. Yeah, it's that, George Carlin. Yeah, you want to talk about it? No, no, I just okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, George Carlin hosts, and uh, it's there's a certain charm to it being so like rough. Uh, it's so much more of a variety show back then. Um, uh, like it, it feels like it's put together on the fly. Um, and, and the, the, the set is for that episode is kind of in theater of the round. Uh, so they, they don't even have like a, you know, a, a set system put together yet. And they have two musical guests and uh, they each play twice. And all the episodes feel like they're two hours. Um, Cause mm. there's so much crammed in um, and, they actually like a lot of skits are just so short that they have enough room to do that. Um, whereas a lot of the modern stuff, you know, people always feel like it's drawn out mm-hmm. bad for time, but there's so much packing into those episodes. There's even like the Muppets, um, not like oh. Kermit and everybody, but like Scred and Plubis. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the adult Muppets. Yeah. yeah the adult <laughs> Muppets make a bunch of uh, recurring appearances. Um, and then like episode two is, basically just paul simon's variety hour because <laughs> he shows up with like an art garfunkel reunion for like the last 30 to 45 minutes of the entire show mm-hmm. uh, like they play together and then Art garfunkel sings by himself so there's really only a couple sketches in the whole thing um i f- really feel like it finds its footing as like a, a formula of a show by around episode 15 of the first season um and yeah, for the first five or six episodes, I wasn't <laughs> like a lot of sketches. I'm so, like, this is the people, this is the hill people die on for these guys. Um, so, Brad, just a quick question: Is you said episode fifteen? Is that when they settle into only two performances by the musical guests, and the rest is the skits, or how does it go? I've never seen that early episode, so I don't know. Yeah, it's uh, it's wild. Uh, yeah, they they kind of have a a standard host that's kind of culturally relevant um and then yeah there's more sketches there's usually one musical guest um and and uh they do the like the title graphics because the first couple shows they don't even have you know like nowadays they like introduce each cast member but the first one it's it's the not ready for t- primetime players and they don't even list each of the people i th- as far as i remember it's, it's just like 
Yeah, it's for like the first half of it, and then in the second half they start listing off the credits, I believe. Yeah, like they each get their own photo on screen with their name and everything. Um, and even Don Pardo like botches the intro on the first episode. Uh, like he he like says the words backwards or something. It might be intentional. Um, but and also there and at that like within the I can't remember how long they did this, but they're calling it NBC Saturday Night. It's not even called Saturday Night Live yet. Yeah, that's the whole first season. Mm-hmm. Um, so well, yeah, they come back, or it, it might be actually the first five seasons actually. But I remember I forgot why I read Wikipedia, but yeah, it's just NBC Saturday Night. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the most recent episode I watched, uh, Billy Crystal, like it was like his first appearance on SNL, and it's just it's almost like a one act character play. It's not even a stand up bit, which was strange to watch. Is it him doing? Can you dig it? I knew that you could. The jazz yeah. man character, yeah, exactly what it was, yeah, yeah. That's like it. That's that's like a good like acting piece. I don't know if it was like funny, but yeah, it's fun watching him do that character. But it does. I mean, it's it's a little too long for an SNL episode. <laughs> yeah, and then um, I think uh, like Candace Bergen has hosted like three times already in the first season. She's great on the show, though. Um. <laughs> Yeah, the the B sketch uh, is kind of funny because in the first episode, there's this B sketch where uh, <laughs> they're just in a maternity ward and they each get delivered their drones, and it's so bad that for like the next two or three episodes, they reference how bad it is. They make new, they make better sketches based on how bad it was. Um, but yeah, overall, like it's definitely a, a different, an older type of humor. Uh, uh, Chevy like Chevy Chase's weekend update is a little I don't know it's kind of rough it feels like he builds like if if something gets at least one laugh he'll turn it into like a recurring thing even though it's not that funny mm-hmm. um yeah much like Chevy Chase himself <laughs> <laughs> yeah his, his pratfalls are pretty good but you know by episode five you know he's claiming it's a thing of the show it, it's um, interesting to think how he was the star, the the breakout star of that first season. So much so that he, you know, jumped ship. Yeah, and he's he's good in uh like quite a few like once the cast and everyone finds their footing. Um, <laughs> right, but it's not like wow, you know, I'm not going to use this as the barometer for comedy for the next thirty forty years. I really, I, I mean. I still feel like all those first five seasons belong to John Belushi for the most part, because it is like, you know, whether it's, you know, Samurai Delicatessen or, you know, I would like to feed your fingertips to the Wolverines like that. It's like within that first season, like there's so much stuff to so much joy to get out of him as a performer on it, that it's almost amazing that chase was the breakout star i love chase on weekend update but i always felt like belushi was the one that should have broke out sooner <laughs> yeah there was a one good weekend update uh, thing where um they it's it's the new year so they're like let's take a look back at 1975 and they just put the word 1975 on the screen <laughs> and he just looks over at it and then cuts back um yeah i was gonna say there's also some like really outdated like jokes to like General Mao Zedong dying. <laughs> uh, no, it's uh, Francisco Franco. Well, there's Francisco Fra- Generalissimo Francisco Franco is still dead. They also talked about the death of Mao Zedong, and they they showed a Chinese takeout box, and I remember that joke 
rewatching that that sketch a while back and I was like, oh, that did, that did not age well. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I got that to that one yet. But yeah, everyone okay. so far has had Franco in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of sketches that are just like outdated, not like not appropriate for today. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like the one with Richard Pryor hosting. Um, and then that all is... those all those samurai ones. Yeah, the the prior episode and the samurai stuff, it's 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 tough to watch, but I do still think there's a merit to watching that form of comedy unfold. And I think Pryor's still one of those stand-up geniuses you should take note of when it comes to comedy history. Yeah, I mean his episode's pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it's the third one, so Yeah. Um Yeah, what's I was gonna say? Yeah, that's it. I don't talk about this long enough. <laughs> um then I watched uh, Ted Lasso, which is fantastic. Uh, Jason Sudeikis plays Ted Lasso. He's been hired by, um, I forget what soccer team from England. Um, I know in the original bit, it's the Tottenham Hotspurs. Yeah, I don't think that, I think they changed it up. But anyway, he gets hired. He, uh, he moves his whole life to England, uh, leaves his wife and kid back in, the, in I think, Kansas or Oklahoma. Um, he was, I think, a, either college or a high school football coach um, who's super positive about everything um, and really like motivated that team back at home to, I think, either do better or win the championship. I forget. Um, but yeah, he gets called up uh, to go to England to help this uh, soccer team or f- actually football there. And uh they're so cynical and they haven't won in a while. And uh, his attitude clashes with that system. Um, and it's amazing how his positivity resonates and actually improves them. Um, while this is actually secretly a major league plot <laughs> where the uh, owner has a divorce the uh, original owner of the team and she is sabotaging the team to uh, piss him off. So she's hoping they'll lose. And she thinks Ted Lasso was a joke and that he'll uh, crash and burn there and just embarrass the entire club. But that like the soccer team is so important to the local residents and yeah, Ted Lasso just goes in there and his positivity, just like, you know, everyone thinks he's like, he, he knows nothing about soccer at all, but he takes the job and, uh, he's got some personal things at home that he's dealing with. And it's, it's just an amazing, uh, you know, it's, it's weird that he's like, it was this joke for, I think ESPN or something or. Yeah. It was like NB ESPN on NBC or something like that. Yeah. I remember it. Yeah. It was like the NBC, like they got the, uh, soccer, they got the British soccer league over there. And so they started covering that. And then that was like a bit that they did to promote it. Yeah. So, I remember when the original skit came out. I I loved it. <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, so, it's amazing they turned into yeah. into this. Like know, it's right? it's weird to see a show that promotes optimism so much. Um, so definitely check it out if you can. Well, it's on Apple I, TV. Yeah, I told you. Like I'm I'm planning on it, and I expect I will love it. It's just a matter of sitting down and actually watching it. Yeah. And I do have like the free Apple thing, but I'm waiting a week or waiting a month to get the most out of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I trialed the first episode. So if you want to like, you know, take a taste, uh, 
you could just watch the first, first episode free. But yeah, after that was over, I was like, oh, I got to watch the rest of the season. Yeah, I already so. know I'm going to watch the whole thing because I've heard lots of good stuff about it. And the last two things I watched are Star Trek related. Uh, well, before WandaVision. Um, so there's a cartoon version of Star Trek called Lower Decks, which is based on Next Generation had an episode where they didn't focus on Picard or War for any of the main cast members. It was a whole episode based on the people that, you know, do the grunt work for them. You know, mm-hmm. newly recruited cadets, you know, that they're usually in the background of the episode. Um, and they turn that into a, a cartoon series. I think it was like 10 episodes. And it's really funny. It's... Um, uh, was it but, on Comedy Central? What channel carried that? It's, it's on Paramount CBS Plus. All, yeah, CBS All Access or whatever, yeah. Paramount Plus, yeah. Um, and that has another like preview sampling thing you can do. Um, I think the best part is it's like set in the next generation timeline. So occasionally Q or... Riker will pop in as voices as their characters, which is great. Are they on the Enterprise? Uh, well, it's post Next Generation timeline, so Riker's on the Titan. Oh, uh, okay, okay, gotcha. But presumably, yeah, the Enterprise D is out there with Picard helming it. Um, but I forget the character's name. Um, one of them is Brad Boimler. He's like the the happy-go-lucky like i'm gonna do i'm gonna be the best in starfleet type guy and then <laughs> um god what's the the main character she's actually um you know she doesn't want to move up in the rank she just wants to stay a lower decks person so uh you know she's always underachieving um and there's like another uh like overachieving character that comes in and like she and this other character with an implant like they get really into science and stuff and it's like it really makes fun of it lovingly makes it's it's like Harley Quinn where they lovingly make fun of the thing that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, like while, a kind, kind, gentle jab. Yeah. While, while also like making poignant, resonant, like episodes and adventures of their own. Um, so yeah, it's just a ton of fun. Um, and it's, it's great. Like if you like really if you're a big star trek fan like there's so many easter eggs um you know they'll reference uh characters and lines of dialogue and like episode titles um you know they'll kind of break the fourth wall sometimes with that um it's funny there's an episode of next generation where these drone robot drones that you know fix things uh, mm-hmm. become sentient you know they don't talk or communicate norm like like we would expect they just um, you know, data figures out that they're they have their own intelligence, and so uh, in this show they come back and uh, you know they actually have voices because uh, they've advanced a little bit, and you know, they, like one of them eventually decides like not to help everybody, <laughs> and then beams himself into space, and then like regrets it because he's just floating around <laughs> with nowhere to go instead of like helping the crew. I remember the 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 episode that it's referencing i remember from the rewatch so just like, hey, like i need to watch lower decks now like, it sounds like fun send the exocomps out he's like sorry guys you're on your own <laughs> just beat himself out <laughs> by the end episode he's just floating through space like help me <laughs> why did i do this so yeah lower decks is fun um and then i 
uh, for Carol, I watched the third season of Star Trek Discovery. And uh, when we last left Discovery, they had uh, accelerated. They time, tra- they time traveled into the 100 years into the future so that the knowledge of what happened in season two can't be obtained by anyone in the present that they left because uh, it would destroy the universe. Mm-hmm. So they, they went ahead where no one you know, with that knowledge would want to track them down. And uh, the time travel gets botched and uh, Michael Burnham's gets stranded on a planet a uh, hundred years before the rest of the crew catches up with her or not, not a hundred a year. Sorry. Uh, they're all like 150 years in the future together. Um, and this season is more episodic. Like it's still serialized, but it feels like they're very much isolated episodes that all connect to a whole instead of just like a continuing narrative. Um, and uh, it's, it's amazing how like, Star Trek is such like a cinematic, like big budget show now. Um, I was watching it to be like, man, I wish Next Generation or the original series had this opportunity to make television like this, or Deep Space Nine or Voyager, because it's it. Each episode is so much just like the visual effects are on par with big budget motion pictures. Um, and uh, the storyline for the season is good. Um, I, I think, oh, as a whole. It wasn't as interesting as the previous season, uh, probably because it's so episodic. So it was individual episodes that were like standout more than like the whole. So, um, uh, but yeah, I guess their adventures are going to take place in the future now, which is good because now they're not beholden to, you know, we got to tie things into, yeah, leading up to the original cast or next generation. We can kind of just reference what, what they did and move forward. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's hard to do with Star Trek moving forward because so much of our life now, uh, the things that they dreamt of in 66 are real now. So it's like, how do you dream of things for our future? Um, I, I thought of that when, because uh, I still haven't watched Picard yet, but that was one of my questions going in, like before I would end up going into it would be, how do, how is the future going forward handled within a world like Picard, like what's that going to look like? So looks like discovery is going to be doing the same as well. So that's yeah. cool. I mean, in the past they already had the revolutionary spore drive that no one else had. So um, mm-hmm. they're able to take that in the future and no one else still has that, but they update some things like, um, you know, like ships can morph, like they're not beholden to a physical structure. They can reform themselves into, um, you know, whatever shape they need to get around stuff. Um, they all have their own, like their badges are their own personal transporter. So they don't have to go, you know, beam me up and I'll stand together. They can just hit the thing and beam themselves out of wherever they need to go. So they don't need to like, they don't need to like the coordinate situation is not the same as it used to be. Yeah. As long as you have the badge, like you can teleport yourself. You don't need someone on the ship to do it for you. Ooh, that's neat. Um, that's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, and then the last thing I watched was Wandavision, which I'm sure Ryan watched, right? I did. And me. And Corinne, and uh, I, I, I don't like the finale as much as maybe the episodes before it, but that might just be my own fault for expecting more. Uh, but to some extent, it, I did feel like it was a lot of flying sky punchy punchy. I felt the same way. Yeah, like. Tetsuo Kaneda yelling at each other type stuff. Um, you know, 
Um, but I mean, as far as like if if the show is just set up that Juan does this thing now, um, they the mission accomplished. Yeah, I think at the end of the day, you know, I always talk about this with my wife uh, that if you're disappointed with thing, how things go, you know, it's not, um, it's your own fault. Yeah. Because it's not, it's not our place to say how the characters should be in the show. We don't own the characters. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and, but there's some moments in this. I loved, uh, vision talking to the vision. Um, I thought it was really great. But and Brad, you, oh, go ahead. You nailed the, uh, the cameo with someone who Paul Bettany always wanted to work with. Yeah. And that, uh, <laughs> that was the, himself. Um, uh, but the, the thing about that is like, it, it doesn't wrap up. Like where did white vision go? Like he just took off and then, you know, there's maybe a good, he will make an appearance in Falcon winter soldier. But it's, it just feels so mm-hmm. anticlimactic. Like, you know, yeah, he takes off, but there's a good chunk of the show left. <laughs> to watch that he doesn't that doesn't get resolved which was kind of frustrating so that that's not on me uh that's that's leaving me hanging by the writers um like even just like a cutscene of like yeah this uh this went somewhere um so just like you all told me when i come bitched about you know end game and how it didn't give me the resolution i wanted and you all said you have to realize this is a tv show now so Brad, you're just going to have to wait for Multiverse of Madness or Falcon Winter Soldier or some other MCU property to get the answers that you need. Wait, what? Did, why didn't Endgame? I don't understand why Endgame didn't give you the ending you needed. Oh, because I was saying how like they didn't give the weight to like everybody coming back that I felt like it needed. And they just kind of glossed over it and everything. I felt, well, well, well wait, they, but they triumphed. Like coming back and in, go back in, and listen to the 2019 film explosion episode. We ain't got time to get into all this now. Okay. <laughs> Again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, those portals opening up sealed it for me. I was like, not, this. I'm talking about like the billions of people coming back and the implications it would have on like the political structure and everybody's emotions. <laughs> and all well, let's just go back and listen to the episode. Yeah, that no, sounds I'll, like a really boring movie. I mean, it's already at three hours, so I don't know if you want to get into the political ramifications. Of- Ryan, I think we found a Marvel movie I could make. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> no, 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 no. Now, now, Brad and I have to write it. I'll direct it. Ryan, you could star in it. <laughs> it kind of gets addressed in Far From Home. Yeah. Cause no, they- that was part of my complaint was I said it, Far From Home glossed over it made it like a joke of the blip and you know all this stuff Uh, because it's from the kids point of view oh my gosh do we really have to rehash all this (laughs) no that's what i'm saying you guys should just let it go and figure it out on your own anyway and yes brad i think it's gonna the the white vision or whatever will come back at some point we just don't know when I, I'm just imagining my favorite meme going around the internet without and, and I like it because it hasn't been giving me spoilers has been the Captain America thing um, where it goes. So you had a WandaVision theory that didn't come true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm so blown away that people are still posting like Magneto, uh, like when's uh, Fastbender going to show up as Magneto uh, in the in the show? Like even after the finale, I'm just like, they address that he's not her dad like they showed her parents like 
that theory is done. Stop it. <laughs> so. Yep. I mean, it turns out with the little tag is, is Wanda, you know, the really evil? Maybe. Maybe. They have a future, Charles, not me. I no longer matter. Is that what you got from that? Cut yes. the post scene? Interesting. Mm-hmm. I just thought she was studying up. No, no, she, she is, has but the she's book. able to project herself. To. No, she's able to project herself as, um, you know, everything's cool and I'm all calm, but she's also studying up on the dark hold. Which I heard from people on Twitter that that makes an appearance in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I guess if you want to know more about the Darkhold and the MCU, you should look into that. I just Wikipedia'd it. Okay. <laughs> Learned about it. Does it only do evil stuff? I believe Probably. so. Well, the Darkhold. <laughs> I, have, I, have I have a dumb question. Is Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still going on or is that done? I thought it was done. <laughs> that ended last year, I think. Okay, okay. I kind of lost track with it after, um, uh, like a, a season after the uh, It's All Connected dealy with Winter Soldier. I figured the Darkhold was just one of those things where, like, it has stuff in it and you choose whether you use it for evil or good. So. I'm not sure. I, I have, ironically, I have all the, like, I have the first couple comics with it in it and I don't remember them I'll have to dig them out and read them again who wants to bet that Agatha is going to make an appearance in Multiverse of Madness maybe I I can see a world where she doesn't I mean because she kind of just left her there (laughs) I mean that movie's already packed (laughs) oh she's going to come back in some uh, otherwise they would have just like killed her you know but they specifically like no we're gonna leave you here this is your punishment and i'll come back if i need to find you so she's coming back i just don't know when yeah possibly i mean yeah i mean they set it up that way for sure i'm excited to watch this show eventually and finally understand what you guys are talking about (laughs) Ryan, what'd you watch um just a couple things (laughs) um my Zach joke. I watched this. Uh, you, did, you, on, you didn't say it the way I say it. <laughs> on uh, Prime called In Search of the Last Action Heroes, which is like a two and a half hour documentary about 80s and early 90s action films. And hmm. it goes into, it has a lot of the people that are involved. There is about a 10 minute, five, 10 minute thing about Last Action Hero. And then they have one about Street Fighter, Brad. I think you'd appreciate. Sweet. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you already know this, but they it was originally rated R, and then they cut it, and then it was still rated R, and then they cut it again, and then it was rated G. So <laughs> wait, wait, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so then they called back Van Damme to add the line where he says shit so they could get a PG-13, because they knew no one would go see it if it was rated G. How, how did it go from R to G? <laughs> Uh, the director explains it as they had to keep on cutting scenes and making them less intense. So I guess they <laughs> cut them too far. I bought a Blu-ray. They, re- they, they did a special edition of it in uh, Region B or whatever in England. Um, I, I, I bought that and it has deleted scenes and stuff. So I, I, as soon as I get a region free, free player, uh, hopefully I'll figure out what you're talking about. I think 
PlayStation 4s might be, just a heads up. Um, Where is the documentary available, Ryan? It's on Amazon Prime. Oh, nice. It's, it's good. Uh, it's fun. Um, I also watched this horror film called The Entity, which <laughs> is a very, like, it's an unusual horror film. And it's kind of, uh, I don't know. It's uh, it's creepy as all hell, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like poltergeist. If the poltergeist raped you, it's yeah. really... <laughs> It's a, you, I can't believe you haven't seen this before, Ryan. No, it's uh, it's Barbara Hershey. It is, oh my god, it's pretty intense. Uh, you know, it's very adult, and it's a hard film to watch mm-hmm. because you're not sure exactly what the entity is. Um, it just knows that it's after Barbara Hershey for some unknown reason, and it's. I mean, it's. <laughs> It's what's cool about it is I have the Scream Factory Collector's Edition. It has an interview with her on it, and she talks about uh, who. Oh man, I forget the actress who originally was cast for it, but she turned it down because of this sexual nature of it and how hardcore the uh, sex scenes were. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, Barbara Hershey is naked, acting against nothing. It's really, but I can't describe it. It's really bizarre. It's, it's uncom- hard to. It's uncomfortable. That's what yeah, I remember. It's, about it's it. a hard film to watch. Yeah, uh, it's well made. Uh, I laughed. Uh, the the poltergeist or the entities theme song, where it's like dun 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 dun, dun is really over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it, it's interesting. Barbara Hershey's really great in the interview. Uh, so if you get if you want to see it, check out the Screen Factory version because it's really well made. Um, and you know, you also hear, it's funny cause the end of the film, uh, I won't, I guess I shouldn't spoil the film. Anyway, there's a line at the end that's really silly and way over the top. And Barbara Hirsch, she talks about how stupid it is and it shouldn't be in the movie. So it makes it fun. I always love when behind the scenes, uh, interviews isn't, uh, all sugar and lollipops where they actually say stuff is stupid and things like that. It's still, why, it's still why I like the village of the damned one. Cause they're very, very frank about what the movie turned into. Like, yeah. I think actually my favorite screen factory behind the scenes documentary for, because how bad the, uh, the baking of the film was is Bordello of blood. Uh, it's pretty great. That you told uh, me about Feldman this one. Talks- yeah. how big of an asshole Dennis Miller is. And it's pretty funny. Was that, who, was it the, who was it? Angie Everhart? Or who was the one that was the only one that would have lunch with Corey Feldman? Yeah, it was Angie Everhart because yeah. everyone's afraid because she was dating Stallone at the time. And, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> Corey Feldman talked about how nice Stallone was and how nice she was. It was, it was a really interesting making of. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Go ahead. No, no, I, I didn't say anything. Sorry. Uh, I I watched a movie on Netflix with Kellen called Finding Ohana, which is a really kind of uh, cute Goonies style film about these kids that live in uh, Brooklyn and they have to go to Hawaii after their grandfather has a heart attack and help take care of them. 
and while they're there, they find a treasure map and they kind of go on an adventure. Um, Goonie style. And it's a cute little movie. Um, is it animated or live action? No, it's, it's, uh, it's live action. It has uh, Kelly Hugh in it as the mom, which is kind of weird because I'm pretty sure she hasn't aged since Friday the 13th Part 8. But, you know. <laughs> but then you go look on her IMDb page and I think she's in her 50s. And, I mean, she looks stunning. Um, but then you also think that The Scorpion King came out 20 years ago almost. So you go, oh yeah. So I guess she would be in her fifties. <laughs> well, she, well, she was she was also part of the Weapon X project, if you recall, right? Yeah, she was Lady <laughs> Deathstrike. Um, so yeah, it's it's a really cute movie. If it's, I think uh, it's pretty new. I watched it because I was reading uh, articles about it, about how how much fun it was, and it is. It's kind of just uh, if you want to watch a kid adventure film, that's uh, basically what it is. But there's lots of uh, heart to it, and uh, the kids are actually really funny. Um, they Brian, talk you, like kids. you buried the lead. Jonathan Quaquan is in it. He is, and he has a great uh, nod to Temple of Doom at the end. Aww. So you should, uh, and he has actually he has a great scene that actually kind of brought a tear to my eye with Kelly Hugh. Yeah, you should watch the movie. It's fun. Would would um, my would my nephew like it? Uh, yeah. I mean, there's some scary parts, but for kids i mean not for me i'm a man but <laughs> um <laughs> you know there, there's some like ghost elements and things like that to it um, the, two, the two films that scare ryan are the entity and finding ohana <laughs> yeah it's pretty great though it should, I, I mean i recommend it if you're looking for kind of a light-hearted family adventure nice um and uh the last thing i watched was Kate Blanchett's The Missing, which stars uh, Tommy Lee Jones as well, directed by Ron Howard. Yep. And like, I like the movie. It's kind of a straight Western, but then goes to a supernatural horror film, kind of. Um, yeah, it gets a little weird because it's. I talked a little bit about this in Ballyhoo. It's basically his version of The Searchers, but then it it does go into a very strange direction. Yes, and it Kate Blanchett plays a woman who uh, is a doctor who lives on the frontier, and uh, her boyfriend, because she's not married to him, played by Aaron Eckert, uh, brings home a stranger who's Tommy Lee Jones, who turns out to be Kate Blanchett's father. This isn't spoilers. You find out like in the first 10 minutes and there's tension there. And throughout the film, you kind of learn why. And at one point, uh, her daughters go out with her boyfriend uh, for a horse ride. And the horse comes back without her daughters. And she goes out and finds one of her daughters and her boyfriend is dead. And they are taken on a sex slave trade by the Apaches. Um, and it, it's basically a Western thriller with supernatural elements to it. Um, the music's really good in it and the direction's really good in it. Kate Blanchett is really great in it. Uh, and it's super violent. <laughs> uh, there's a couple shots and I go, Whoa, they're not shying away from gore in this movie at all. Uh, I have to dig into the Blu-ray a little more. I just watched a theatrical cut. There is uh, an extended cut on it that's 17 minutes longer. Mm -hmm. And the movie is already, I think, two hours and 20 minutes. So 
Another 17 minutes. That's a big commitment. <laughs> well, that's what happens when you win Best Picture with a Beautiful Mind. You can go as long as you want with your with your violent Western. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, if you want to see a Western that's a, kind of brutal, has supernatural elements to it, um, definitely check it out. I like Westerns. I, I'd argue making... more interesting than The Searchers. <laughs> uh, I think so. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, it gets pretty silly uh, at one point with you know, the witch doctor and stuff, but, um, yeah, but it's still fun, but, but easier to swallow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I, I don't know how to put into words what it's like. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's Tommy Lee it, Jones in a Western. You can't go wrong there either. <laughs> yep. He plays the grumpy old guy. And I was telling Laura, when I was watching, I said, has Tommy Lee Jones ever been young? <laughs> <Just wondering. laughs> Um, that's what I watched this week. When we get uh, older, Ryan, he'll still be around the same age he looks now. <laughs> totally. Um, this week on Real Nerds Podcast, we went and saw Chaos Walking. Brad, should people see Chaos Walking? Meh. Um, apparently this is part of a, a trilogy of books um, or some kind of storytelling. I'm not sure. I didn't deep dive the uh i just read the credits and uh yeah apparently oh, this is, me too. <laughs> there's a larger thing going on and uh i'm not that interested in finding out what else happens next <laughs> uh zach should people see chaos walking nah you don't need to do that um we'll talk about it i mean i don't think it's as bad as zach just made it out to be um yeah, in fact there's <laughs> there's parts in it that I kind of got like interested in. Um, you know, I, I, I the, the idea of seeing people's thoughts, I didn't know how they could pull off in a movie without it being really obnoxious. I thought and that was actually the one thing that they did really well. Mm-hmm. I think so too. Yeah. So um, I, I, it's interesting as, as I'm going through, I was watching the movie. I said, Oh man, this is better than I thought it was going to be this might be like a four star review for me. And then it kept going. I'm like, no, nah, it doesn't make it there, <laughs> <laughs> but there's moments that I truly loved. Um, and I actually cried in this movie, but here's the, uh, here's a trailer for chaos walk. That was a terrible crash. Stop! Don't come any closer. It's a girl. Girl, girl. Oh my gosh, girl. I'm sorry. No, blonde hair. I've just never, never seen a girl before. Who are you? It's so loud here. We call it the noise. Happened to all the men on this planet. Every thought in our heads were on display. Where are all the women? They're dead. Noise. Oh, what is she thinking? Where the hell is her noise? It's strange to see everything you're thinking. You know, it's strange for me too, not knowing what's going on in your head. I mean, I don't know, you might not like my dog or you want to hit me over the head with a rock or something. I like your dog. He's stronger than he knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows. 
You better watch your noise. Snake. 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 Those men catch you, they'll kill you. Get in the boat! If you want to protect the girls, you have to leave now. Keep you safe, safe. Keep you safe. Safe. With her power, there's no telling what he can do. I need that girl before she wants him. How many are coming? A hundred. Two hundred. Thousands. Uh, Chaos Walking takes place in 20, 2057, if I remember the title card right. And um, it's basically a new settlement with people from Earth. And when they get into this planet, the men's thoughts can be seen and heard which is called the noise yeah there's something that the atmospheric women, phenomenon that as they yeah. travel through it it changes which and the women don't um which made it really interesting when daisy ridley's character who is from earth they are going to land on you know the planet i thought that scene was pretty cool where when they're going through and entering the atmosphere she could see the fear of all her male uh teammates mm-hmm. and she didn't understand why they were scared is pretty interesting um and you know mads mickelson's uh i forget his character's name the mayor the mayor the mayor he has an actual name too prentice got it um he's really good at hiding his noise and uh which they- tom holland's character is being raised by a couple of guys who can hide theirs pretty well too. Um, at, at one point someone like mentions to the mayor, like you hide your thoughts like a woman. And I was just like, what is that reference to? Like, yeah. they, they never really expand on it that he, that they never explain like why he's better at it. No, it's, it's left undetermined. And that David, that's David Oyelo asking him, you know, like, or like telling him, like, because he's the religious zealot of this group. Um, I I took it as like Mickelson just had more time to control it, or like every it affects their minds differently. I, I or or he just figured it out while no one else did, right? Um, and he also learned how to build walls with it. I well, because I mean, uh, Tom Holland's character Todd is his way of doing it is he just says his name over and over again. And Mickelson's character says, uh, we are the circle and the circle is me or something along the lines of that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but even but Tom he, Holland's able to generate a snake. So, yeah. So there is obviously more to it. And, um, you know, it really worked. I thought in this movie, I thought the chemistry between Daisy Ridley and Tom Holland was really good. Uh, you know, there's, <laughs> I mean, that's there's that the movie. Where, yeah. <laughs> where they're underneath, you know, the uh, shelter yeah. and yeah, and it's raining and they have this moment and you're watching it and they lean in and kiss and it's his 
uh, thoughts for being projected. So she never really wanted to kiss him or anything. And she actually calls him out on it. I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. That was and, so uh, awkward. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, well done. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a fascinating film. I, I just think it kind of falls apart on its own um, rules and world building. Yeah. The, and then like, you know, they, they build up that, you know, Mads Mikkelsen is a character who, you know, just like his male ego, um, you know, couldn't handle not being able to hear the women's thoughts. So he convinced everyone just in the town to solder the women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, that's a genocide. And then the finale is that, you know, he sees a bunch of projections of the women that he got killed and then he falls into a pit and you're like, wow, that's really unsatisfying for that level of uh, villainy. Yeah. Like it's almost like you should have, you know, also taken out like half of the other male crew chasing him. Like, like Nick Jonas plays the mayor's son. And I'm like, I'm wanting like more of these, like, I guess some of these characters, I guess, are going to pop up down the line or something. I don't have no idea. I'm going to be good. It feels like a giant allegory for like alpha and beta men. Yeah. Which I mean, like in theory, that's like a fun idea for a young adult dystopian type of deal. But I got to be honest, I was confused throughout a majority of this film and kind of just had to go off of the basic premise of uh, men, men, men's thoughts are heard. Women's aren't. Okay. Gotcha. And it felt like everything else was filler and this movie felt shorter than it should have for one of these kinds of movies. Like it's almost like it should have been longer in order to explain things for like set up its universe a little bit better. I have no idea what you would do to fix that, but um, I just felt like there was a lot of like short shrift happening throughout the, 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 the sci-fi premise of the film. Um. Yeah. And maybe it's just because I wasn't getting as involved in it, but I like the performers in the movie. Like I like Ridley and Holland. Uh, I like what Mickelson is doing. I like watching Demi and Bashir anytime I can get a chance to. Um, I thought uh, David Oyelowo's character was the weirdest and least defined in a world where I wish his character was more defined because <laughs> out of all the people in the movie, he seemed like the most interesting to watch. <laughs> like yes. what in the world is this character <laughs> like screw him he's a dog killer yeah he yeah. is oh I yeah know. he is when he, when he fucking killed his dog and then uh you know he's sitting on that uh platform and he's projecting the memories of his dog i'm like really this movie's gonna make me cry and he, it did that's another like unsatisfying death because like he drowns that holds that dog underwater and drowns him and then daisy really just uses her like campfire starter to like light him on fire and he just like slinks off into the distance and, you know, kind of fizzles well, out. Which, which again, <laughs> I want more, I, I would like more definition. I feel like his character would have better explained how somebody like Mickelson gets into their heads because there's a part where he, isn't he saying to Ridley, like, kill me, kill me now or something like that? Like he's having like some kind of well, like mental I breakdown. I think he was the enforcer for uh, the mayor because mm-hmm. he, he is the one who talked about how women's women didn't have souls mm-hmm. and so i think he was kind of the enforcer guy yeah he's um, he's, he's, uh, he's some he, he's 
he's some kind of modern weirdo who doesn't like women and is using his religious beliefs as his like he's is he like a preacher or something i have yeah, no idea that's what, he, that's what his name was oh okay i got gotcha. you <laughs> all right did you watch the movies <laughs> i i did watch the movie i paid 15 dollars to see this in dolby atmos guys i wow again right. can you can somebody please explain to me what's going on in this? I feel like I didn't get any clarification in a in a sci-fi dystopian movie that a lot of these films of this genre try to set up their universe and sometimes do too much explaining. I feel like I didn't get enough explanation here. Yeah, I was fine with like it just being like a sci-fi backdrop that didn't need explanation, but like yeah. there's, a, there's a lot of like just um uh, you know a lot of dialogue about like, oh, this is like how you be a man and how men should be. And then, you know, surprise, like all the all the other towns that, uh, you know, people haven't traveled to, like they're all run by women um, and they're better at it. Like there's displays of like they're better at organizing and, you know, mm-hmm. Daisy Ridley's always one step ahead of everyone else. Um, but but yeah, no explanation also, of why. There was that fun scene where uh, his dog's barking at the door and uh, Todd's, you know, I got to save her, and he goes in, and she's already kicked that dude's ass. <laughs> yeah, that's great. It's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, it's actually better than I thought it was going to be, but it's also just there. It's I, so I, surface I, level, like yeah, and it looks beautiful. Like I mean, oh Doug no, Lyman, it's well made. Yeah, <laughs> Doug, Doug Lyman knows how to shoot a movie. I, I just. I just guess I just it didn't suck me in the way I was kind of hoping it would. I was hoping the trailer was uh, like the the most unappealing part of the experience. And I ended up just going like, yeah, this is this is serviceable. And I wouldn't discourage people from I, I mean, despite what I said up front, like I wouldn't discourage you from watching it if you can like find easy access to it on streaming. But like right now, this movie is only available in theaters and like. I just don't know if it's worth paying that big of like that kind of money for like if that's your only option. But um, and the other you know, too, like I, oh yeah, I was gonna say you know I did like watching Daisy Ridley do something outside of Star Wars because the last time I'd seen her do anything outside of Star Wars would have been uh, Murder on the Orient Express. Uh and so like I I appreciated watching her do something different with um uh with different type of material and Tom Holland too like I actually like watching Tom Holland outside of the Spider-Man world and the impossible like watching him branch out and try different things this movie actually convinced me of wanting to watch his uncharted movie because like I could see certain elements of it where I'm like oh that's something he can do as Nathan Drake or this is something that could happen in Uncharted and he'd be totally serviceable in it. So um, serviceable. Good... he's going to be awesome in it. Jeez, Zach. I mean, I mean, he's in, he's in one of the greatest action movies ever. He's a Spider-Man. I, I understand <laughs> that Ryan, but we've had several different Spider-Men who don't always, you know, carry on to other amazing acting roles. Um, well, that's because Tobey Maguire got paid $50 million not to make Spider-Man for <laughs> Well, yeah, okay, that's fair. But like, I mean, I apart from silence, I haven't been so high on Andrew Garfield's post Spider Man output. But uh, you know, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I I'm curious to see what he does with Uncharted, having seen certain set pieces in this. Like when he's like hanging off of stuff on that ship, 
Like that's like that that's stuff where I'm just like that's that's gonna be cool to watch him do in the middle of a in the middle of an adventure movie. That's gonna be fun. Um, yeah, that scene actually made me nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I know this is fake, but oh god, heights. Yeah, it does. It did look like it was gonna fall. Um, it, um, but yeah, it was actually like yeah, Holland's great in it, but like I also was like his his character. Like I found it hard to like get behind him because it's really not like a fault of his character. He's written that way, and he like that's the environment he grew up in. But like he's not the he didn't feel like a good like it felt like the character should have been more heroic. I guess. Yeah, I think I think that's I, I think that's just you're right. The environment he's in because he comes off he's as never, too much of a, of a creep. Um, but it's also like not his fault because you know he doesn't know anything else. He's been, he's been raised by alpha weirdos. That's why. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like, you know, later on in the movie it comes back where he like he says creepy things you're just like oh man um which i mean but it's a and it's also a young adult novel premise here so like it's gonna have that you know teenage angst going on throughout it like i was looking this up i guess he's like in the books he's supposed to be 13 i don't know if they just up the age on these guys but and knowing it's like a ya novel like that makes sense but it's like a this is why i don't like ya novels (laughs) (laughs) you know i i you know why i'll never make a movie is when Daisy Ridley caught that preacher guy on fire. Mm-hmm. I would just have the dude from Mortal Kombat come on the bottom of the screen and go, Toasty! <laughs> that's why I don't make movies, because that'd be funny and might not be good for the film. But, no, but but Brian, here's the thing. I want that version. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, know, do. I'm just, you don't make movies, Ryan. You make them better. That's <laughs> right. There you go. You, we've already we've already seen how you can improve the Magnificent Seven remake, and now you're going to do it with <laughs> Chaos Walking. <laughs> yes. Um. I. I. Also, like, can we talk about the ending for a second? Because I was a little. Uh, so, like, is so what are they going to do on the? Are they building a whole new colony now, or are they just? Well, yeah, like, because you're not going to fly seventy years back to Earth. <laughs> no, but like, no, but like. I I just thought they were going to go back to the ship. I didn't realize that they had already landed. I, I have. Not. I, I don't think you're paying attention to the film, Zach. I, I I definitely must have been tuning out at some point because all I remember is him waking up in that weird pod uh, and him going like, "Are you going to stay?" And then him doing the like, "Are you going to kiss me? Are you going to kiss me?" And then she just hands him a shirt. So like I, I guess the story just didn't hook me, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> is there like a like a a trend of traveling through space like for many many years and like waking up in the future and like growing humans on the ship as you go because did you see the trailer for voyagers too yeah that one actually like i was like this is kind of the same premise ish but but it looked like 10 times more insane and ridiculous yeah like as a a a rave yeah in space which which i'm like I kind of want to. I kind of want to see what the hell that is, uh, and I liked Limitless, so I would want to check that out. But but yeah, it's again like you know what happens if the you know the 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 guys stop taking their their toxin and you know unleash their hormones and like their 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 maleness, you which know. I, which which I'm wondering if like I'm wondering because like the to me the premise of this film would have worked better if this movie was allowed to be like ten times edgier. Like, is this PG thirteen or is this PG? Like I couldn't like I. Oh, it's definitely PG thirteen, right? But yeah. like, I really wish, given like the thematic elements they're working with, I almost wish that they had just gone for an R on this because 
I just I just feel like you're trying to tackle some heavy you're, ha- you're trying to tackle heavy subject matter about like <laughs> at one point they try to tackle uh colonialism because like they use the the monsters that oh, the mayor God, I forgot about that. The monster the monster characters who are basically indigenous to the planet. They the the story that is given to Todd our hero is that the the monster people killed all the women the natives yeah and then they have a line where daisy ridley goes like they're talking about the definition of the word alien <laughs> and tom holland says like well they killed my family so they're the aliens <laughs> i was like i don't think we have time to get into this discussion with a movie that's already trying to tackle like ge- like gender dis- or gender roles and the the elements that play into alpha versus beta it's like it just seemed like they were trying to throw a bunch of things at the wall that that definitely felt like a scene that was in the book and then they just like you know there's probably a lot of cutting room floor about those characters and their interactions with them that were Mm -hmm. like uh that i would have just completely taken out of the movie entirely like that just if it's budgeting wise like you could probably save could save like fifty thousand dollars not rendering that cgi character because it added almost nothing to the movie yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if this movie were going for the length of like a two-hour, ten-minute situation where it's like a first Hunger Games movie, where there's some there's some weight to it. Like, I like the I've grown to like the Hunger Games movies, and like they all have a healthy two-hour plus length. This movie clocks in at about an hour forty, uh, an hour forty-eight, something like that. And I'm not like I feel like that they have like snippets of things that could be important if there were more time, but they're not coalescing together. And I actually had a question for Ryan on this. Do you think that this movie, had we not had the pandemic, do you think it would have done better? I have uh, a weird feeling it might've. I don't know. I mean, I know they delayed it a year and reshot a bunch of stuff with it. So I don't know. Mm, okay. I just got the feeling like this probably would have done pretty well. Cause like there's, there clearly must be an audience for this, that they were willing to put this much money into it. Yeah, I mean, Daisy Ridley and uh, Tom Holland both have pretty big fan bases who would go and see anything that they're in. So, I mean, they literally took our my tweet and (laughs) ran with it so we would see it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I think think it would have been like eighty to one hundred million pre-COVID. Yeah, which would have been fine. Like, I mean, but like, I guess maybe like when I walked out of it, I was like, you know, like. If they I make didn't a, see if, any marketing for it until like two weeks ago, maybe. Well, and I, I thought s- it was like a video game, so I just kept like not even paying attention to it. Well, I kept seeing trailers for it pop up, but there was like talk of it in the like days after COVID was shutting everything down. It's just like, well, there's a Tom Holland Daisy Ridley movie. I was like, okay, well, we're clearly not getting that for a while. Um, but like the, yeah, I mean, I don't know, like. It wasn't my cup of tea, but like if you could find it on streaming and you're into this sort of thing, it might be worth your time. I don't know. It's better than the trailer. Um, anywho, uh, next week, I'm pretty sure we're going to do a film explosion 1981. Um, I talked to James and he, I think he's free on Sunday. Um, so I'll, he's, he'll let me know for sure tomorrow and I'll let you guys know. Oh okay. shoot, Sunday. 
<laughs> Sunday, I Sunday I work till noon, but I can do it afternoon after twelve o'clock. So yeah, playing Ninja Turtles at the Alamo on oh, no, a Saturday. Sweet. Uh, I, my schedule, I work eleven to nine now, so I can't do Saturdays unless you guys want to wake up at four and do it. Oh no, Sunday's great for me. Not for four p.m. Sounds great. <laughs> Uh, if you, if we do Sunday, if, I mean, if you guys don't want to wait for me, I guess I can call mine in. But I'm I'm free after after twelve o'clock. So I do have one piece of late breaking real news for you, which Uh-oh. really only affects me. I read it, Ryan. If he ever gets around to watching it, um, Kim's Convenience has been canceled after season five, which I believe they just finished uh, filming. Which is. Still a good run by Netflix standards, like Glow did yeah, it the season it's four. It's not a Netflix show. It's a it's on a Canadian channel, and then Netflix just syndicates it. Okay, but still five seasons. Like most series, don't even get to three. So, yeah, my guess is the like I said, the guy who plays the son. I don't. Sorry, I don't know how to pronounce this. Simu Liu, who's going to be in that Shang Chi and the Ten Rings or whatever later this year. I think he's going to like get really big after and I bet they just didn't want to have to deal with all the like conflicting schedules and filming around all of his stuff. Or sometimes, you know, you tell this story you need to tell in five seasons. Well, I know that they had been, they had been confirmed for five and six at the same time. So I think maybe they just, I don't know, they just ran out of steam or what it was. It wasn't about the convenience, Corinne. It was about the friendships they made along the way. I mean, it's season four or five ended on a cliffhanger, then, I mean, that sucks. Yeah. I don't know. Four, like, because like I said, I think they just finished filming season five, and I know season four, there are definitely things that they left kind of unresolved that they were going to address, that hopefully they're going to address in season five. So it might be the same thing of, like, they had things at the end of season five that they were hoping to address in six, but now it's canceled, so... Mm. Yep. Anyway, go watch Kim's Convenience. It's on Netflix, everybody. Ryan, maybe it's the marker stone of my growing up with Pixar that anytime I see a television show that was canceled before it could resolve anything, I immediately go to uh, to Stinky Pete's line. That was it. The show was canceled after that. <laughs> yep. Hey, Ryan, why do you leave for Disney <laughs> Disneyland? Uh, oh yeah, when Monday. do you go? okay hopefully you don't get snowed in i think it'll be all right oh my god yeah we are getting yeah latest i saw was five feet over the next five days or something i don't know about that i don't think that's right (laughs) i think that might be a little overzealous but i do think it is going to be a pretty big storm yeah we'll see i know we're getting it down here starting on friday but not probably not the same amount that you guys are getting. So, yeah, I think the last it's like Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It's supposed to snow, but mm-hmm. it's like three or four inches every day, not two feet every day. Ew. <laughs> we'll see. Sweet. Yeah. All right. Nineteen eighty-one. Right. Yep. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. 
Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.